Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Someone made a comment in the board meeting and said, Hey, Chris, you know, um, everyone looks at you and sees you as somebody who's always had this um, polished, easy life. And I couldn't believe my ears that I was hearing this about myself because I have never in my life seen myself that way because of a ridiculously crazy past that people would never guess. I grew up in a ton of poverty and uh, instability and drugs and violence and uh, just um, lots of uh, even divorces and uh, dads going in and out of jail, homelessness, sleeping underneath piers and bridges, sleeping in cars. Um, you name it, just a crazy childhood. And uh, for them to say that, it was just really funny to me that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be judging people by, uh, you know, the book by the cover kind of thing. Their point was, whatever you have in your past, you need to lead out with it. You need to let people in and do your vulnerabilities of what you've been through because your talks would have more power. And that's exactly what Chris has been doing since 2014 and the impact that he has seen is unbelievable. He's now writing about it in a new book, Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. Today in Connections, he'll share with us a little bit about this book, why he decided to write it, and why it's so important to be vulnerable. We're joined today by Chris Brown. He is a pastor at The Well, that is a church in Columbia, Tennessee, that he launched alongside his wife, Holly. Previous to that, he served as a campus pastor at Elevation Church, an executive pastor at Potential Church. So, Chris, uh, you are a pastor, a very well-known pastor, and I think a lot of people, you know, they viewed you as this pastor at big churches like Elevation Church. You've been a radio host. You've worked with Dave Ramsey, and they look at you and like, you've just got this abundantly blessed life that God's given you, just this magical life, right? And maybe that's true in some ways, but it's come out of a lot of stuff that wasn't so great. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was in a board meeting back in uh, 2014, I believe, and uh, we were dissecting one of my most recent talks. And uh, it was a, a one of a, a, just a talk that I gave in a, an arena of 10,000 people. And we were breaking down this talk frame by frame and just analyzing how could, well, how could I learn to be a better communicator from a standpoint of uh, facial expression to posture to gestures to content to uh, even humor uh, stats all those kind of things and actually a pretty uh, daunting process and something that's actually a little bit intimidating but someone made a comment in the board meeting and said hey chris you know um everyone looks at you and sees you as somebody like you just explained mike it's just this uh uh, somebody who's always had this um, polished, easy life. And I couldn't believe my ears that I was hearing this about myself because I have never in my life seen myself that way because of a ridiculously crazy past that people would never guess. I, I mean, I, for me, the way I see myself, I, that's all I know. But um, I grew up in a ton of poverty and uh instability and drugs and violence and uh, just um, lots of uh, even divorces and uh, dads going in and out of jail, homelessness, sleeping underneath piers and bridges, sleeping in cars, Um, you name it, just a crazy childhood. And, uh, you know, I've had uh, three uh, uh, parents have passed away through a miscarriage. I had a lot of pain in the house. And uh, for them to say that, it was just really funny to me 
that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be judging people by, uh, you know, the book by the cover kind of thing. So anyway, it was just a shocker to me because I have a lot of pain in my past. And what their point was, if whatever you have in your past, you need to lead out with it. You need to let people in into your vulnerabilities of what you've been through because your talks would have more power. And, um, you know, I've seen that since 2014. I've let out with my vulnerabilities. And I just recently wrote a book that leads out with this vulnerability. And I'm trying as hard as I can to suck the nutrients out of that past and give it all purpose. Prior to all of this, what held you back from wanting to share that and wanting to be vulnerable? Yeah, well, you know, there's a component of shame uh, for me. Uh, but number one was I don't think people care. I mean, I just naturally come up in my heart. I'm like, I am a, a wallflower. I don't, no one needs to know this about me because nobody cares. And the reality is in most of us in this life, we, if we want to be honest, we, we really are worried about ourselves. I mean, we're thinking about ourselves. And so for me, I'm just thinking nobody even cares. I mean, nobody cares about what happened to me when I was 10 or 14. That's, so that's one component. The other component is shame. I, to lead out with something that uh, maybe I did, a mistake I've made or a heritage that I come from. When they see this, whatever you call it, a polished speaker who's got it all together or whatever, um, I, the last thing I want to do is expose the fact that, hey, what you're seeing is actually not what is uh, inside. And so I think it held me back for quite a while. And I don't think I'm alone in this. I think a lot of people do this all over the world. Once you expressed this and people started to hear this story, what was that response like? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, definitely people were uh, shocked by it. But the, the effects of it, you know, authenticity and uh, genuine just rawness is so rare today that I noticed that uh, my impact and my ministry influence uh, skyrocketed because people were really drawn to it. It's um, magnetically attracted to people who will expose the worst parts of themselves for the benefit of God's glory and for the benefit of helping others. And so our past pain, whatever that little unique niche pain is, you can use that niche pain and that what might be a, a miscarriage. It may be a divorce. It may be a bankruptcy. It may be getting bullied at school when you were like eight. Whatever that niche uh, pain is, you can use that to empathize later in your life at a way that you could never do if you had not gone through those experiences because then you transfer from sympathy to empathy, which is a big, a big difference. And so anyway, it's been a really good for me. Uh, I've seen a lot of effectiveness in ministry and it's also been really, really good for my soul, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's been super good for my soul to, um, to do that as well. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Why, how has that changed your spiritual life being more authentic, I guess, and transparent about your past hurts? Yeah, so everyone listening in, I think I think you know what I'm about to talk about. Maybe you've never put words to it. Maybe you don't have any kind of vernacular around it. But I do think in this comparison culture that we're in all over the world, uh, we, even if we're not trying to compare ourselves, because we all know mentally, hey, don't compare myself. That's their highlight reel. And this is my reality. I get it. But we still subconsciously do it, whether we think that we're doing it or not. And with that comes an imposter syndrome. This yeah. imposter syndrome of I, I'm acting like something that I'm not, and I know that I'm not that good yet. I'm acting all polished at a certain thing. 
And for me, just leading out and writing 192 pages in a book about how good I'm not has been so freeing. It's just been so good for my soul to be like, hey, guys, just so you know, I am jacked up and uh, I'm on the journey. And uh, so anyway, uh, it's been really, really freeing for my soul. I love the title of the book, Restored, uh, Transforming the Sting of Your Past for into Purpose for today and that's what you're talking about right you share your story but it's encouraging people how they can take these harms from their past and give it a purpose for today where did god where did jesus come into your life how did you come out of this trauma and and uh discover jesus yeah so i grew up i you know i i told you guys a little bit about fatherlessness i did have a lot of men in the household that were coming and going often, uh, but didn't really have a steady father to speak into my life. And uh, I was in high school playing baseball. I was trying to drown myself in sports because I didn't want to be home. I wanted to be the first one to practice, the last one to leave, because I just didn't want to go home to a home full of instability and violence. And so when I did that, I became pretty good and got a baseball scholarship and went to college to a Christian school. I had no idea what Christian meant. I just know these people wanted to give me $50,000 at the time, which now is like one day of tuition. But back then, that was actually a lot of money. And I'm like, I don't know what, um, I don't know about loving Jesus. I don't know what that's about. But if you're going to give me $50,000, I will love Jesus all day long. And so I went to this Christian college and I didn't even know what I was doing. But two weeks into a Christian school, I, I, a guy came and spoke at our chapel and he talked about Psalm 68 that says, I am the father to the fatherless. And I found out that day that I do have a father. I have a heavenly father that cares very much. And if I look back at my past and the reason why I'm here today and not underneath a bridge like I was when I was growing up is because of God's fingerprints. Him as a father, he was loving on me. He was putting mentors in my life and coaches in my life and supervisors in my life and teachers in my life, even pastors in my life before I even went to church, putting and speaking life into me. And he was whispering into my ear, even in private moments, very secretive, quiet things saying, hey, Chris, it's not your fault. Hey, it's going to be a bright future. Hey, I've got you. I don't even know who this guy is. Jesus, God, what? But uh Anyway, so it all made sense to me my freshman year of college, and uh, it's been an amazing journey with my father. For those out there that may be thinking like, hey, no, I'm in this deep, dark place. God isn't going to want to help me. He's not going to help me overcome this pain. How does he help people overcome years of pain? Because obviously, like you just said, he helped you. You know, one of the things that uh, we are designed to be in community, we're designed to be other around other uh, human beings, um, because God, even though he can do it on his own, I mean, in a, in a snap of a finger, he can make you go from discouragement to encouragement. He can make you go from despair to joy. He, he can do that. However, with his plan, he has used, uh, he chooses to, to work through people and community. My lowest points in my life is when I did not have local community. I didn't have people around me that were pulling me up. I, I either had people around me pushing me down with a victim's mentality instead of a victor's mentality. Um, but the best times in my life was I had people around me. In addition to that, I think we need to have margin in our lives enough where we can actually hear God's voice. Those times where he speaks to the depths of our heart, where he speaks to our mind, our heart, and our soul. 
a lot of times in this world today, we're so filled with so much noise and so much movement. I don't have, I don't have anything going on Thursday night. And the next thing you know, we fill it with something. It's like, sometimes it's just, Hey, just sit, sit on the front porch, like sit by a fireplace and just listen. We do a lot of talking to God, but we do very little listening. Uh, we have two ears and we have one mouth for a reason. And very few of us actually listen to God's voice. And so that's just been a big part of my journey. And I, I, I would you know, challenge everyone else. If you're trying to think, how, how do I take this pain? How do I transform it into purpose for tomorrow? Just ask yourself, okay, this is a very unfortunate pain, but who are some people around me and maybe in a similar pain? And you're not going to ask this question right in the middle of your pain. That'd be weird. You're right in the middle of the trial and you're all upset and everything's horrible. No, you're going to ask yourself months later, weeks later, months later, possibly years later. And you're going to say, man, what are some of the big things that I've been through in my life? And you say, hey, how do I suck the nutrients out of that? How do I leverage it for the kingdom? Because the whole standpoint of the whole, the whole concept of stewardship is not a, it's not a, a money principle. That's a, a principle about our life, our energy, our, our influence, our relationships, also money, but also our story. How do we steward? How do we manage our story for his glory? By the way, if you break down the word history, it's his story, not yours. And so how do we take and give him glory from anything we've been through, the good things and the bad things? Yeah, you mentioned stewardship. And I know in your book, you talk about generosity and you say, like, you don't have to be financially stable to be generous. Is that what you're talking about there? Yeah, I mean, I think all of us, we, we naturally think generous. We think we're going to buy someone a car or, or uh, pay yeah. for someone's meal. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. I think we can walk around with whatever's appropriate for whoever's listening in. It might be a dollar, uh, five, one dollar bills. It might be five, fifty dollar bills. We can walk around with these things and give five dollar handshakes. So we can give twenty dollar handshakes, whatever your budget allows. We also can be really kind with the going to the neighbor and bringing them a bag of cookies, or we can say happy anniversary. We can text our friends and say happy birthday. Hey, I know you had a, a surgery coming up. I wanted to pray for you. There's lots of ways that you can do it that don't even cost money. And by the way, this is a this is free, a little rabbit trail for all of us, myself included. One of the number one ways in today's world that we can be generous has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with cookies. It has to do with attention, just putting down the phone. It's so rare today, looking somebody in the eyes and fully being present and engaging in someone's story and holding space and feeling pain with them and empathizing with their situation and celebrating with them if something big happens, but being all in, that's being generous with your time and your attention. That's the number one way I think we can be generous today. One person in your life that's really impacted you is your wife, Holly. Tell us a little bit about her and how she has impacted your life. Yeah, so I I'm, I was from the hood, from the wrong side of the tracks, uh, in uh, in uh, Southern California, and really just uh, had about the most up, uh, impossible, horrible upbringing. And I married into the Brady Bunch. Now that's a reference for those of you that are maybe over I don't know over forty, over thirty five. I don't know, but uh, the Brady Bunch is this just this show is like you know, this family from the perfect upbringing. Anyway, so she comes from that and, um, you know, she was born and raised in a really solid Christian school and 
she's really discipled me in a lot of ways and um, allowed me to overcome some baggage that I brought into our marriage. Uh, Things like not being able to handle conflict well, I immediately stonewalled and would shut her out, which came across as apathy or came across as I didn't care enough about her to work through conflict. She's helped me with that. She's also helped me with the scarcity mentality of every time there's food served, I would literally eat all of it immediately before anyone else could get some. And she's like, whoa, chill out, chill out. But for me, I grew up not knowing when the next meal was going to come. Anyway, those are some really funny examples. But she has helped me just uh, self-awareness. She's helped me with uh, relational skills. She's helped me know the Bible better. Um, She's just an amazing woman. So I I really, uh, my biggest earthly blessing by a mile uh, has been my bride of 22 years. Did your upbringing then with all that trauma that you had to do, like how's that affected you as a parent with Holly then and how you raise your kids? Yeah. So I've got a filter uh, when I parent uh, a couple of them. First of all, the first filter is, uh, you know, biblically, uh, how should I view this? How should I lead my child um, biblically? Another one is, Hey, what did my parents do? Okay. I want to do the exact opposite. (laughs) And so that's the second filter and not in a de- degrading way, not being mean and not in a shaming way. Just, I just, I, that's, that didn't work. So, um, uh, and then the third one is, and the one that's, I don't know if it's most effective, but the one that um, is the most unique is uh, what would I want? Like in this situation, what would, the other day, um, Jack, my middle son was wanting to, to, to be taken out of school. He's in a brand new school. that's very uncomfortable for him. Um, and uh, just in you know, an environment that's not naturally like what we, our family would feel comfortable with in this particular school. And uh, he was calling to ask for early dismissal. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to kick back immediately and say, hey, you need to get over it. Like, be a big boy. You can figure it out till three o'clock. But I asked myself, Luke 631, you know, treat others like you'd like to be treated kind of thing. Right. And I just said, well, what I want, well, two weeks from now, three years from now, 10 years from now, he's not going to remember. I mean, he's not going to care about what happened in the second half of that day, what kind of Spanish lesson he got or what kind of algorithm he figured out or whatever. No, he's going to remember, man, when I needed dad and I was crying in fifth period, man, he had compassion for me and he pulled me out of school and we went to Waffle House together. And so that for me, that's my filter. Um, so anyway, and another filter I'm parenting too is, is, uh, I'm not really trying to parent good kids. I'm trying to, uh, build godly adults. It's a big difference. Uh, good behaving kids is just so shallow. I, I want to, uh, what is it going to take to build up a godly adult? Oh, we got a whole new episode now just on that. <laughs> <question. laughs> <get> you back. <laughs> Why did you decide to share your story now and to release this book now? Why is it so important to you to do that? I was going through uh, adulthood and, and dealing with all these things, like I told you, as far as handling with conflict, handling conflict, scarcity mentality, uh, just all this baggage that I brought into my relationship. Well, with that comes a lot of conversations with Holly, my wife. And also with counselors. And so out of these uh, sessions, I'm getting all this content. And I'm like, you know what? I've learned a lot. And uh, I feel like I've made some sense or God's allowed me to make some sense out of my story. And I've got all these thoughts that are all over the place. Kind of picture a whiteboard with just 
gibberish all over the place. I'm like, I want to make some sense of my story. I want to just think it's not necessarily, this book is not necessarily chronological, but I just wanted to make some sense of here are the biggest things that have ever happened in my life. Here's what I learned. And here's what others can learn from what I learned. That's literally the book in a nutshell. And so I just wanted to put that down. I want to just formalize a journal and just have this like keepsake for my family and my legacy and for generations to like, hey, here's all about grandpa. Here's where all our screwed upness came from. (laughs) So it's really just a, it's a, it's a journal with the mindset of helping others. That's really what it is. And they're really compelling stories. My wife really helped me with the uh, bringing a lot of color uh, to the story. So it's really a good uh, listen on audible. It's a great read, getting a lot of good feedback from just a, just a good read. Um, So lots of colorful stories and, Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to get it down on paper. It's called Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. Like you said, great reviews. It's got glowing uh, recommendations from people like Dave Ramsey, uh, Daryl Strawberry, Pastor Craig Rochelle. Tell us where we can find the book and also where we can find you and follow along with what you're up to next. Yeah, so most people are buying it from Amazon, but uh, I, I, I prefer, I, I really like the Audible. I guess the Audible is kind of a part of Amazon, but so you can really buy it anywhere. Um, the books everywhere where books are sold. And then my website is chrisbrownonair.com with a name like Chris Brown. You got to get creative. So Chris <laughs> Brown on air. Uh, and that's my handle for all social media if somebody wants to stay connected. Thank you so much for making time for us today. We appreciate it. Of course, an honor. Thank you all. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Remember, if you want to listen to some of the other interviews we've done here on Connections, you can do that by checking out our other podcasts at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.